I'm Jamila Jamil, and this is what I wore when I did my first ever table read for The Good Place. Welcome to What I Wore When, a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Perry Samerton. Each week, I'm sitting down with a woman I find fascinating to talk about what she wore during a pivotal moment in her life. We're using the power of style to tell the stories you haven't heard. Jamila Jamil is an interesting character. She flawlessly plays a lovable narcissist on NBC's The Good Place, but she's also carved out a space for herself as a social media vigilante, regularly calling out brands, celebrities, and reality stars for potentially problematic behavior, including the relentless promotion of diet teas and unrealistic body image. And she's not all talk. In 2018, she launched iWay, an online initiative reminding women they're more than just a number on the scale. During our chat, Jamila was characteristically candid about anything I asked her, including her so-called beef with the Kardashians, her own struggles with disordered eating, and spending all of her money during her 20s on good food in Chanel. We also talked about online shopping and the truly shocking thing she did to make sure she didn't get fired from the good place. Oh, also... Jamila does her own makeup, and when we met, she was wearing the most amazing turquoise glitter eyeshadow. So, of course, I tried to copy her, and for a few days after our interview, I slathered my lids in so much glitter that more than one person asked, what's going on here? Honestly, if Jamila can do it, so can I, right? Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. So I want to start by asking you what I ask everyone, which is, what are you wearing right now? I am wearing a sort of coat dress by Gabrielle Calangelo. 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 Uh, And it's very like space age and loose and comfortable and cool. And I'm really enjoying being in things that aren't fitted lately. It's really striking. Thank you. It looks amazing. And I like your white heels. I'm oh, a big yeah. white shoe person. Love a white pump. Love a white pump. Um, it looks fantastic. Thank you. And because the name of the podcast is What I Wore When, mm-hmm. you are going to talk about what you wore when you did the first ever table read uh, for The Good Place. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so this was a, a bold decision of mine. Basically, uh, at the table read, you've already been given the part and you already have the contract for seven years. Uh, but there's always still a chance that once they see you read with all of the other actors, they might look at you and just be like, no. So people get fired all the time at the table read after they've jumped through all of the hoops and signed That is a, a deal. Hollywood thing that I don't horrifying. think people know about. No, horrifying. So I was like, I am not losing this miracle job. So I went to the costume department because I'd just had a fitting and I was like, please give me the outfit that Tahani wears in season in, in episode one. And uh, reluctantly, they let me borrow it. And I turned up with the big flowery hat and the big flowery dress and jewels and my blue shoes with cupcakes on them dressed exactly like I look when I first walk into the good place. And uh, I went in there fully dressed in character like the extra beg friend that I am. <laughs> and I read the part and I felt like her and I embodied her and I was just determined for them to see A, how much I wanted it and B, uh, that they must not see anyone else in that role because I'm literally dressed as this woman. And everyone else around you was probably wearing what, jeans? Everyone was in jeans, t-shirts, no makeup, so chilled, so cool. And I was way too much. What Um, was their reaction to you walking in in a ball gown? I think it probably uh, started me off on the wrong foot with everyone. Really? (laughs) 
<laughs> because I think that was it. It was so attention seeking, but no, it was fine. And I think uh, everyone admired my hustle. And you yeah. obviously... Well, that's what it's about. It's about like never being afraid about what other people are going to think, you know, just own your hustle, do whatever you have to do. We're women. Like we have to go above and beyond in order to succeed, especially a woman of color. Like I have to jump extra hurdles. So I'll do whatever it takes. Were you nervous doing that? Yes. Like putting on that dress, walking so, into that room? Uh, you, did I'm, you tell anyone that you were doing it? No, no, only that. the costume department. So, so you, you just know. breezed in? Yeah, I breezed in, dressed like I was going to the good place. It was very, very intense. And people, I'm sweating thinking about it. It was moment. very embarrassing. It felt very embarrassing when I went in, but I just did had to look own down. It anyway. Like, I feel like I would be like retreating. Or no, did you like. I went in as Tahani, fully in character, Amazing. kissing, hugging everyone. I was just like, <laughs> not going to lose that role. I wasn't going to not spend four summers with Ted Danson. What if you lost it I after I all that? I would have dressed as a dick with legs if I'd had to. I would have dressed as a poo emoji, like whatever I had to wear <laughs> to make sure that I didn't get fired that day. So I'm curious, in your everyday life, is fashion something that's important to you? Very. Uh, my boyfriend's actually made me more fashion conscious because he makes braver, cooler decisions than I do. And he really? like, introduced me to loads of designers like Dries Van Noten and all these amazing Japanese designers. And he took me shopping in Japan and just opened up this whole other world to me, which has kind of uh, made me kind of break away from all the things that I thought girls were supposed to wear. Because I would, you know, be encouraged to only wear very, very uh, form-fitting, very tight, always just strapless and short and that's great and that's fine and there's I love that but I would always stick to a uniform of whatever made me look thinnest mm -hmm. and whatever made me look sexiest and he introduced me to like these fun shapes that I felt very free and I feel like he does now and it's just I wear art and graphics more than I ever did before and don't um, you feel like you stand out you know in a good way wearing you know the shapeless sack sometimes can maybe. stand out in such an interesting way as opposed I just to feel like I'm so like inspired by what I'm wearing now and it doesn't have to be this uniform of whatever makes me look thin and acceptable to society. Are you a shopper? I am a shopper. I'm definitely a shopper. It's a problem. What? Tell me everything. I do love like, like opening online? ceremony. Like I love online shopping. Anything I could do from my bed, I would love to do. I would, I'm great in bed in the fact that I can do anything from it. I'm actually bad at sex, but I'm great <laughs> in bed. Uh, I uh, love uh, I love a good online splurge, but I do it mostly when I'm unhappy, which is a really interesting thing because that's kind of opened up my eyes that when I'm happy, I don't online shop. And I think that's why the world keeps women so miserable because we're 80% of consumers. And so if they keep us miserable keep us hating ourselves we're going to keep going online like mm -hmm. crack addicts and buying the stuff that we probably don't always need sometimes we need something sure. um but it's been an interesting revelation to me but i do i love a shop i love clothes i uh, try to be responsible i rewear stuff publicly as much as i can to make sure that we we don't promote this ridiculous celebrity messaging of like you can only wear something once it's so dumb uh and i still wear things that i bought like 10 15 years ago and I'm very, very careful now to become more and more conscious of sustainable fashion. So I wear a lot of reformation and a lot of artists and designers who actually make the things themselves. What are and some I'm privileged to be able to afford those things. Yeah, I was actually interested. I'm always interested in talking to women that are public facing about the realities of spending money on fashion. Like mm -hmm. some people that I've spoken to who are actresses are like, I don't know, things show up at my door. I don't 
ever buy anything. No, for sure. And it sucks because we're kind of used as the example of like how you're supposed to look, but we're not paying for this stuff. We pay for stylists sometimes, but generally we get this stuff for free. I didn't buy this dress coat thingy that I'm wearing or these shoes or this bag, but you'll see me in the magazine and then feel like you need to go out and buy that thing. And I get that culture and I understand and it's inspiring and it's cool and I'm promoting the art of the designer. But I do think it's very important that when you see this, remember that this is all just a show and you are not expected to live up to these absurd standards. But you do buy yourself things. Yes, I buy myself stuff all the time because also I'm not a size two. So uh, most samples don't fit me in this industry. So I, I never had a stylist because people would just look at me and be like, you're too curvy and I'm slim. Yeah. So uh, I mostly go to, like, I remember once going to an award ceremony for the Glamour Awards and I wore a wedding dress in 2012 because no designer would dress me. And so I went out and bought a wedding dress and just wore that down the red carpet oh as God. a fuck you to the fashion industry. Uh, and I was only a size like US 8, which is really ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's low. And so I'm still like a six to eight and I can't find most things. Most things I have to wear almost like an apron where I wear them like open at the back in photo shoots. So I buy a lot of my own clothes uh, because I have to, because this industry is still so terrifyingly fat phobic and obsessed with the form of a 14 year old girl predominantly. Like that's why they literally get 14 year old or 15 year old girls to model these things because it's easier to A, manipulate a child into not eating very much if she's not naturally thin and also B, your metabolism is faster when you're young. And so what's crazy about that is the fact that you have these very, very young girls modeling clothes that young girls can't afford. Older women can afford those clothes, right. but older women don't look like that, but then pressure themselves to look like that. And being in Hollywood where women look at uh, like a catering table, like it's covered in like blood and dead like animals. Is that true? And babies, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. It's because everyone's like, not everyone, I can't say everyone, but most people, especially as you get like past your 20s, like gravity happens. Yeah. Like, like cellulite happens, fat happens and that's great and we should embrace that and, you know, uh, like we God embrace forbid, it in men. They would take like the turkey wrap from like, Exactly. And no. so like it's, it depresses me uh, to see the attitude still towards all of us, even when we're grown women. Uh, the fashion industry makes no space for like height or age or racial mm -hmm. ethnicity. Like some of us are just naturally curvier on our hips and our asses than other races. Um, so there's a lot of work to do and I'm, uh, I'm a little bit pissed about it. <laughs> Don't know if you're picking that up. <laughs> Sorry, you got an unexpected rant about the fashion hey, industry, but I we need to keep it real. It. And yes, and that's a real thing. I mean, that's something, I mean, at Glamour, we try really hard to yeah. pay attention with our coverage. Like we we know that and we understand that. And our most of our stuff is extremely inclusive, especially yeah. size inclusive and, and, you know, body diversity is something that we're really, really pushing for because the industry does have a lot of work to do. I appreciate that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you started making money, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, oh, wow, I'm like kind of successful. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm making money of my own. What was something that you bought? Did you have like that fuck it purchase that you were like, you know what? I'm going to go buy that bag or 
You know what? I never used to buy expensive stuff when I uh, had money. And then when I started losing my money because I spent so much money on nonsense and really expensive food, that's what I normally spend my money on. Interesting. Yeah, like restaurants? So like, it was like supermarket, like whole food supermarkets, ah. restaurants, uh, the best Indian restaurants. And so I just, I basically ate away my 20s, <laughs> all the finances I made in my 20s. I literally ate it. And also I would pick up the bill for other people because mm. uh, as a woman, I felt guilty, weirdly. And I, I identified this recently about earning more money than my male friends and with and just all my friends generally and so I felt like I had to pay for everyone else because I was embarrassed about earning more and ended up uh, having less money than everyone so that was pretty fun but uh, <laughs> on my way down to the very bottom of my income I uh, I was like wow I've lost all the money that I made in my 20s um, I've got a couple of grand left and I saw this Chanel bag and I'd never owned anything designer before never bought anything designer I was like, I'm going to buy that Chanel bag with barely any money. Don't do this. This is a dumb thing that I did. It was like my stupid spiritual like statement to myself that like, you're going to be okay. You're going to get back on your feet. Buy this bag. I'm an asshole. But I did somehow manage to get back on my feet. And do you I still, still have, have that, that bag? bag? I wear the bag literally every day, all okay, the time. So and I don't even like Karl Lagerfeld. Uh, sorry, RIP. But uh, <laughs> Whatever, RIP. Yeah, um, but it's a great bag. He's a great designer. If <laughs> we're... I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of the technical cost per wear. How many years ago was this? Five. Five. Okay. So and technically, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It earned itself. Yeah, it's like a plastic bag at this it point. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. That's totally Yeah, I think that's the thing is that if you buy something expensive, just wear it every single day. If you're going to buy an expensive wedding dress every single day, wear that shit to the gym, wear, <laughs> wear it during it sex, wear it in the shower. That is your, those, those are your new jeggings. <laughs> What makes you feel most authentic, style-wise? Uh, style-wise, ankle boots. I don't know why. I just love them. I love a good ankle boot. There's something very British about that kind of style, the way that we use them to toughen up very uh, pretty dresses. Mm. And uh, there's something that feels like you're stomping when you're walking, which I really love. And I think that they're incredibly sexy and cool and comfortable. So you're higher up, but you're sturdy. Yeah, What's your favorite pair? Do you have My one? favorite pair are a pair of Kurt Geigers that I have. They're patent black with like um, maroon patent all the way down the back. And I think Kurt Geiger makes really comfortable, cool shoes. Love an ankle boot. Yeah, love an ankle boot with a thick, chunky heel. I'm normally found in that. Yeah, because it's a heel, but mm-hmm. it's not a heel. Yeah, I can still balance yeah. on that heel. You're not teetering around always on like skinny stilettos. Yeah, I can run away from you. I can kick your ass. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> run away from anyone that needs to be run away from. Yeah. Um, so you have been open, very open about... What do you mean? You've been open about <laughs> your anorexia. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I would say occurred during what I would consider to be your Teen very years. formative years, yeah. right? 14 through 17, is it? Mm-hmm. I'd say 12 to 17. Wow. So... Mm. I'm curious if that... I'd fully stopped eating by 14. And what does that mean? I mean, I wasn't eating anything. I was eating one red pepper a day to survive. And I don't know how I'm still alive, honestly. I think it's just because my very, very clever young body like gave me a second chance. But I wasn't menstruating and like my bone density has never recovered and my thyroid's never recovered and my kidneys never recovered. So like 20 years later, I'm still suffering from the damage that I did to myself as a teenager, taking all the products, all the teas, uh, all the stuff that I fight against now is all the stuff that I, you know, messed up my body with. Do you feel that that had any relationship to the way you viewed clothes and yeah. and the way you get dressed and the way you shopped as a teenager? 
Yeah. I mean, everything was just like, you know, up until I was like 30 was just based on whatever would make me look thinnest. Like I never, ever, ever wore trainers until I was like 30 because I just thought my legs, my 44 inch legs would look squat if I wasn't wearing a heel because I'd become so obsessed with the idea of looking as long as possible because I came up in the 90s during heroin chic. So, you know, I was I just thought that a jutting hip bone and thighs that were really far apart were the epitome of beauty and that's changed so much. And as like we've got more beautiful women of colour and more like... I, there are so many African-American women who I now like look to as my standard of beauty and like Rihanna and Beyonce and like all these different gorgeous women, Ava DuVernay, like, uh, and I have started to embrace my own body. I kind of, I don't really, think I really love my own body. I have body dysmorphia, so I can't see my own body, but I, um, I just don't engage with it and I just love other women's bodies and that has definitely helped me with mine. Is it correct that an accident is what sort of pushed you toward recovery? Yeah, it didn't recover my mind. It uh recovered it car it just stopped me. Yeah, I got hit for I got hit by a car into another car and broke my back and that just stopped me from starving myself because I realized how precious my body is and uh and that I shouldn't be trying to kill it just for beauty. And so that was the beginning of me looking after myself physically, but my mental illness around my body uh didn't go for another 10 years. I had to have therapy. I had EMDR therapy. What's that? Eye movement desensitization, reprocessing it. It helps you with trauma and bad thought patterns. Helps you erase bad thought patterns and put the irrational into the rational. So I'm not afraid of food anymore. I don't ever binge and purge. I don't do any of those stupid things I used to do. Like I thought I didn't have an eating disorder in my 20s, but I'd have a Cosmo or like whatever, a photo shoot coming up. And I would stop eating for like three weeks. Oh, I'm sure. Beforehand. Yeah. Like a wedding, as if it was my wedding. Which, <laughs> uh, which in itself is just so sad. Whole, all my friends who are like are having wedding days, like they're always miserable on their wedding day because they haven't eaten they haven't for eaten. weeks. I don't, yeah, I don't. and they're so stressed about their photographs. You're like, all you should ever want is to look happy. And that's now what I want. Right. Yeah. But instead, uh-huh. brides look hungry. Often. Yeah. Not just, all. Just but tired. Um, I'm curious about how... I know you- I'm like crazy transparent about this, but I just think it's really important because like... It is important. Well, yeah. Like it's important that we don't just project that we're all seamlessly making our way through lives, you know, in this industry. But even further scrutinizes us. It's really important that we highlight that, like I highlight that I register the damage that, you know, this industry that I partake in does to women. And so I try to use my platform to undo that damage if I can. curious about how you know you're so passionate about how you're able to reconcile sort of the perks of of fame right like magazine covers and Mm -hmm. red carpets and glam squads like that is actually part of your Mm -hmm. job I do my own makeup do you Mm -hmm. always for everything on the good place on red on red carpets on front covers but yeah it's a tiny thing loads of women do their own makeup I don't know why it gets so celebrated (laughs) but I don't have a whole glam squad I've got someone who normally helps me dry my hair because I'm clinically weak and my hair is so long that I can't actually hold my arm up for that long but are there things Um, that you say I mean like flat out say no to yeah yeah photoshop uh yes disgusting How dare they? Which you've said should be illegal. Yeah, I really don't think, especially when you're selling products, how we still have, how it's still legal when we have anti-aging products and makeup being sold and we're allowed to wear like false lashes when we model mascara. Um, I've turned down like $3 million in beauty deals this year because 
no one would agree to not Photoshop me and no one would agree to like not try and cheat the customer. And so all their messaging was super problematic. And so I find it, uh, the only people that I will partner up with are people that I feel like are making a progressive movement for women, not regressive. Um, But I am just very careful with what I do. I'm careful about what I wear and I use all of those opportunities as best as I can to raise important conversations so that if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm, it's like my emotional carbon footprint. And I know you not talk- that I'm some sort of saint. I like I'm still well, a dickhead. Course, well, of course yeah. not. But I mean, no one's a saint. But no. I do think the strides that you're making Beyonce. are Beyonce's a saint. Beyonce is fine. She's a saint. <laughs> um, I also know that you've talked a lot about celebrities, m- modern types of celebrities like mm-hmm. the Kardashians and folks like that, who sort of the messaging is very image heavy and it's body, 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 and it's relentless and. Mm-hmm. I feel for better or worse that sometimes those celebrities are viewed as like the actual celebrity, whereas like movie stars and TV stars are sort of pushed to the side, like the biggest stars in the world are the Kardashians. And I'm wondering, in your opinion, is there anything, anything redeeming about sort of these characters that are emerging as these idols for us? Yeah, like, I mean, why should actresses and models be famous? So why should I be famous when there are scientists out there who are, like, discovering cancer cures? Uh, I don't have the right to say who should and shouldn't be recognised. I just think when you are recognised and you have a platform, don't use it to be a dick. Uh, You know, I've read in, like, Jezebel or something this week that Kim Kardashian said that, uh, you know, she sells off-brand topics. And I think she was sort of referring to the sort of detoxes and the things that I have made controversial. Uh, And was like, yeah, but it funds my Prison reform, prison reform. I saw that. I was that. like, I shut up. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, be better. Just you can, stop. Can't you just like sell something else that doesn't hurt women in order to save people? You've also got loads of money yourself. You're worth millions, tens of millions. Borrow some money from Kylie. <laughs> Use that for prison reform. Don't sell dodgy <laughs> products uh, to kids. Um, so I, I didn't approve of that. I don't approve of that. But I do love that she's working within prison reform. And if she could stop using diet products to fund that, then I would be all for it. I think there are things that 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 family have done that are cool. You know, they're a group of six incredibly, you know, powerful businesswomen. Chris Jen is a marketing genius. She's the greatest PR, she's the greatest publicist of all time. She'll never ever be matched or rivaled. For sure. Uh, I thought it was cool that they brought curves in. I used to be quite a fan of the fact that I was seeing curves and that was before they became bullied over their weight, which then made them obsessed with their weight, which then made them recycle that and turn that into making yes. other people obsessed with their weight it's our fault that they're that obsessed with a the way thousand that they percent yeah, and, and I it's totally very important agree. to track that like they came out the gate like with with curvy bodies, bodies and i was and... like yes i you know i used to tweet all the time about how much i love her body and uh, i used to defend her whenever she get fat shamed so it's a shame that this no, has all, now you know, become their obsession but perfection is they are a product of their toxic celebrity environment but they still need to do better because so am i and i'm not out there exploiting people for money so uh I hope they keep doing the prison stuff, less of the diet stuff, and I'll get off that dick. Where do you see yourself or how do you see yourself in 50 years dressing? So how does 80-something-year-old Jamila dress? How does she present to the world? Oh, so extra, so extra. How? It's just fake feathers, it's fluoro, <laughs> it's fluoro eye makeup. Like I I just don't see the point in, in I go hard or I go home. Do you know what I mean? Like that's it. I consider dressing up to be something that I do just for myself or when I go to the shops. I enjoy fashion. That'll never go away. And I want, I, the people I love the most are the old ladies who just like bring 110. 
I'm going to do a super quick speed round with you and just answer the first thing do that it. comes to your head. Okay. What's the last thing that you swiped your credit card on? Uh, I bought six bars of Hugh chocolate last night. What was your first concert? My first concert was... Shit, who was it? Oh, it was Usher. What would be your last meal on earth? Uh, hot sourdough bread uh, with butter. How do you fall asleep at night? Uh, holding on to my boyfriend's bum <laughs> like a monkey. <laughs> What's your favorite TV show of all time? Uh, my favorite TV show of all time. I know I'm a basic bitch, but it's Friends. I love that show. I know it's problematic. It hasn't aged well, but it's really funny. And it was there for me when I didn't have friends. So <laughs> it was there for you. That's, yeah. what the, that's what the theme song promised that it would be. Yeah. And lastly, what era do you identify most with fashion wise? Oh, the 70s. Why? I just love the 70s. It had everything that was good about the 60s with a bit of extra sex on it. Love it. Yeah, I might have got big boobs. I can't do a smock. (laughs) (laughs) What I Wore When is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Monday. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm your host, Glamour Digital Director, Perry Samatin. Follow me on Instagram at Perry Samatin. P-E-R-R-I-E-S-A-M-O-T-I-N. Our executive producer is Allie Perry, and our producers are Glamour's Kim Fasaro and iHeart's JJ Posway. What I Wore When is engineered by Emily Marinoff and Derek Clements. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Deanna Buckman at Condé Nast. For more information on today's episode, go to glamour.com slash what I wore when. 